This week's episode of Walking Through the Stargate is brought to you by Bedrosian National Shock Cages. Nothing keeps your enemies on their toes quite like being folded in half and at constant risk of electrical shock. You can find this and a whole array of restraining and interrogation devices at our stores throughout Bedrosia. Visit our website, restraints.bednat today. Thank you, Bedrosian National, for sponsoring this episode. What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 Lock. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. This is episode 62, and we'll be talking about Stargate SG-1's episode, Nemesis. Nemesis. Uh, We are an independent podcast. We stay independent because people like you love to make us happy, and you are also going to be helpful by having um, uh, help Zach uh, get a, get a pay for a new device, a computing device, which we need desperately to keep the thing going. Um, we have a Patreon. Uh, I'll include a link to the show notes. Uh, thank you. So we see you. We see you, those people that have already joined. We see you. We'll give you a thank you uh, right and proper a little bit later, but we see you. Uh, thanks so much, folks. And you can find us there. Uh, I'll put the link in the show notes. Uh, the support keeps the show going um, uh, in a very genuine way, and I think that we have a nice little goal of like dollars received are going directly towards Zach's computing device. We're not trying to like you know become you know podcast millionaires. <laughs> 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 uh, but you know what? Even if you don't support us on Patreon, which you totally should, um, you can always find our content on your average podcast aggregators. We're on Google Play Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Uh, and, uh, we noticed that somebody had dropped in a uh, rating on Apple podcasts. Thank you for that. Uh, but they didn't leave a review and no review, no dramatic recreation. That's true. the rules. So, true. uh, dramatic recreation of a review on Apple podcasts. I have done one. Uh, it was a lot of work. I'm very thankful that people have not been pummeling me with reviews on Apple podcasts. Um, but that said, if you want to make me uh, turn cartwheels that's 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 how it is it's like uh it's like the ball toss at a carnival yep so that's the only way it works yep um but uh zach uh so if some point uh if somebody wants to uh let us know that uh that that trumpeting my suffering is not a good strategy for engagement but they do know what a good strategy for engagement <laughs> is how how might they let us know <laughs> what the right way to do this is well there are several ways you can get a hold of us um Easiest, uh, it'd be email us at walking through the stargate at gmail.com. That's W A L K I N G T H R O U G H T H D S T A R G A T E at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at Stargate Walking or on our Facebook page or Facebook group. Um, we do a pretty good job most of the time to at least let you know on Facebook when we're recording uh, and ask for predictions. Uh, this has been one of those crazy weeks that we didn't do that this week. I'm sorry, but we do have a few predictions, Brent. That's pretty cool. Oh, good. Um, and, of course, uh, find us on Patreon, uh, and there are means there to uh, chat with us as well. Yes. Uh, so get a hold of us and tell us uh, all that your thoughts are about uh, Stargate and Season 3 and then I- upcoming Season 4 and, and, and everything else. I'm glad you qualified it because for a half beat, I thought you were going to ask them to just, you know, just tell us what your thoughts are. Just all of them. Uh, all you know, you know. Sure. If you want to tell us your thoughts, no. <laughs> uh, you're welcome to do that. <laughs> I, I, I suppose. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I, I may or may not respond to just random <laughs> thoughts. <laughs> Dear Brent and Zach, 
Have you ever noticed just how squishy donuts are? I mean, really. They're so, really squishy. So, Brent, shall we talk yes. about Nemesis? <laughs> <laughs> and not donuts? Come on now. <laughs> well, okay. I like donuts. I do like donuts, too. But, yeah, we should we should probably talk about uh, Nemesis. That sounds right. like a better idea. All right. So, uh, Nemesis is directed by Martin Wood. This is Martin's sixth directing credit this season. Uh, he did Into the Fire, which I believe is the first episode. Uh, Fair Game, Learning Curve, Dead Man Switch, and Shades of Grey, and mm-hmm. then here, Nemesis. This is his last episode this season. Snarf, snarf, snarf. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the teleplay is by Robert Cooper. Uh, he has done several episodes this season, including Fair Game, Dead Man Switch, The Devil You Know, Maternal Instinct, and of course, Nemesis. And this is also Robert's last episode this season. Snarf and snarf. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you keep making that joke. I keep doing the snarf and snarf. And this will be the last time I say anything <laughs> about this episode this season. <laughs> so you keep going. I'll keep drinking my coffee. Here. Okay. So uh, uh, we do have a couple of guest actors worth noting. Uh, Gary Jones is back as Radar. Radar! Uh, we will eventually learn what Radar's name is in the show. and But it won't matter. Uh, until then, uh, it's just Radar. And then, of mm-hmm. course, we have Colin Cunningham back as Major Davis. And, yeah. of course, this is the last time we will see both of those guys this season. God. <laughs> snarf and snarf and snarf. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I, I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing. <laughs> and unfortunately, I said I was going to do it. So Okay. <laughs> so the original air date for Nemesis is March 10, 2000. Mm-hmm. Uh, March 10 is a very special date in my life. Uh, that's my wedding anniversary. Uh, but hey! this is one year prior to my wedding. Uh, oh. So, so this is... Before the countdown has begun, yeah, know, all yeah, right. yep, yep. Three hundred sixty-five days later, I think, maybe three hundred sixty-six. <laughs> nope, four, five, whatever it is. Yep. Okay, I can't remember when. <laughs> Two thousand would have been a leap year, except for it wasn't because it's a century mark. Mm, I think it was, but it doesn't matter because yeah. the day already passed. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Don't worry, I got you back, buddy. All right, you got me. All right, so <laughs> number one on the charts in March 10, 2000. Uh, in the U.S., they were still lis- listening to Amazed by Lone Star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that song until I and remembered. And in the U.K., Madonna is singing up the charts with American Pie. Oh, man, what song did she s- I know for a fact the second I hear it, I'm going to remember what it is. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. Okay. All right. So it's Madonna. It's gonna be dance. It's gonna be awesome. It is gonna be pretty cool. All right. So, uh, so you know, as you're hitting up uh, what was in the movie theater, uh, you know, I'll we'll just we'll just put in a high energy a high energy jam. Uh, okay. Here. So uh, as Madonna just jams with American Pie, we go to the Super box jam. office. Number one was Mission to Mars. It was a brand new episode this week. Number two was The Ninth Gate, also a brand new episode. My Dog Skip rounds out the top three, also was three last week. Number one last week was The Whole Nine Yards, but it fell to number four. And American Beauty uh, jumped up the, 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 the list 
from number nine to number five. Mm-hmm. There okay. you have it. Awesome. All right. We have a few things that were happening at about this time. Mm-hmm. On March 10th, 2000, the NASDAQ Composite Stock Market Index peaks at 5,132.52, signaling the beginning of the end of the dot-com boom. But it just started. Well, it didn't last very long. <laughs> Don't worry. We'll have another one. Ah, okay. Okay. Uh, also on March 10th, the country singer Vince Gill weds the Christian pop singer Amy Grant in Nashville. Congratulations. Uh, so congratulations to them. Uh, one week later on March 17th, there... Wait a minute. You guys share a wedding anniversary. Yeah. I, I didn't Shh. actually make that connection. <laughs> <laughs> hey, congratulations. Oh, there you boy. go. Okay, all right, all right. So, um, (laughs) on March 17th, one week later, uh, the 800-plus deaths of the Ugandan cult movement for the restoration of the Ten Commandments of God is considered to be a mass murder and suicide orchestrated by the leaders of the cult. Yeesh. Yeesh. That's a lot of people. It is. Yeah. Uh, I don't know anything about this particular cult group, but uh, yowzers. Yeah. Okay. Yeesh. All right. Shall we dig into some trivia? There's a lot yeah, of trivia let's, here. Let's talk about something a little better. Yep. Okay. So you'll note that Michael Shanks in this episode has a relatively small part. And uh, yes. in the episode, at the very beginning, he's in the infirmary because he had an appendix uh, removed. Uh, yes. Well, in fact, Michael Shanks has a smaller role in this episode because his actual appendix ruptured the day before filming. Really? Oh, okay. And, and so right. the writers had to uh, really quick decide what to do and how to rewrite everything because he couldn't film. Uh, that particular huh. scene was filmed after everything else was finished. Um but they decided since uh, Michael Shanks had his appendix rupture that maybe that's why Dr. Jackson also is not able to run around the ballisker uh, in well, this situation. But that then implies that the original script had him running around. And so now I'm just kind of thinking about which scenes, you know, in which scenes was he supposed to be in? I mean, like, there's the, it, the the possibilities are endless, Zach. Yeah, and and what's amazing is is that uh, uh, it flows perfectly as it is. I didn't know uh, this, and you wouldn't guess yeah. that, but that's actually what happened. Also, um, the conversation that O'Neill and Jackson have in that inf- in the infirmary is actually mostly improvised. Really, <laughs> the fishing and the oh wait. No, he was getting on, going on about the fishing with uh, with Carter, right? Was right. he mentioning fishing? Well, with, well he does. Uh, he, he walks in there and says, "Hey, how you doing?" Um, and you know, "Oh, I'm fine." You know, "Can you believe it?" That it was oh, do you want to go like, fishing? Yeah, yeah. Do you yeah. want to go fishing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. No, no, I'm going to stay here. Oh, for, actually, for I'm going to stay here for another three days. Yeah, yeah. Three, three, three days. Yeah. Um. <sighs> nice. So excellent. Yeah. Uh. 
you noted a couple of episodes ago that uh, the opening credits changed to just the the shot of the the pharaoh. Um, yes. And according to the notes I found online in this episode here, that was supposed to be the episode that they actually make that switch over. And yet, when I watched on Amazon earlier this week, it had the old credits from before. So I have no idea what's going it's on. It's all over the place. Uh, also, I do that know opening that at least on my DVDs, starting yeah. in season four, uh, it goes back to that that picture of of the pharaoh. Uh, now and such. Do they do that stupid? like video freeze at the end of the opening credit for the rest of my life. Um, well, you know okay. what I'm talking about, right? They're doing the slow pan and then the pan stops, but instead of the pan stopping because the camera stops, the pan stops because they decided to do a video freeze on that moment. Uh, um, and it's garbage. I suspect that that's just the way it is, and it will be until they change it. Um, I think in season six or so, uh, they do change things long? up again. And oh, wait, I guess it's only two seasons away. Yeah, I mean, it's not that far, really. No. Um, uh, they, <laughs> they change things up again, and uh, they they do go back to montage of clips and such for that. Pew, pew. Um, pew. So, And then they change that up a couple of times after that point. Uh, well, whatever. Yeah. Yep. Also, this episode here is the first episode that was shot completely in 35 millimeter. Uh, previous oh. episodes were filmed in 16 millimeter, except for a few of the effect shots here and there. Uh, but from this point moving forward, until they mo- make the switch to HD in, um, I want to say that's season eight, uh, I think. I can't remember for sure. Uh, but until then, they go to, they're at 35 millimeter film. So yeah, but uh, but the, but the joy of film is that you can rescan that stuff to have 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 it be amazingly better yeah. quality video quality. Yep. Meaning I'm just getting the I I so I'm watching I was still watching it on Hulu, which I think I'm gonna stop that action and just I don't know if I'm gonna buy the box set or what, but you know what I'm saying like it's time to make a different decision here. Um, well, if you buy the box set, that means you can also watch the commentaries. That's a lot of that's a lot of watching things. I know, uh, but the commentaries. Yeah, no, no, commentaries. Anyway, um, <clears throat> maybe I'll sign them and give them away as prizes. Um, but uh, <laughs> uh, right, good idea. Um, the actual well, point, then you though, will be able to watch them again. Zach, we've talked about this. All the right. amount of things that I have watched more than once is pretty low. All right, fine. Pretty low. All anyway, right. but the point of the thing is blah, blah, blah. Uh, Hulu is still all about the SD, and it's, you know, it's okay. It's okay. I bet you that our little replicants, replicators uh, were uh, a little less, I bet they were a little more okay in SD than in HD. Uh, probably. Probably. All right, yeah. I, I took us off. I took us off path here. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Getting us back. Um, so Martin Wood, the director of this episode, appears in this episode oh. for the first time. Um, although you can barely tell that he's actually there. Uh, if you remember when uh, O'Neill is beamed off the base onto the ship, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Carter is standing there and just like, whoa, what's going on? And she looks down the hall and there's this other guy kind of walking towards her. That That's him is Martin Wood. That's Martin Uh, Wood. But, uh, you know, you couldn't hardly tell who that was from that shot. But it is him. Uh, He will appear in a total of 23 episodes. 
Um, but he won't get his first line on screen until uh, the Stargate movie continuum. Oh, there's a movie? There's another movie? Uh, yeah, there are, in fact, two wow. made-for-TV or direct-to-DVD movies that come uh, after the series ends. Really? Well, yep. I guess here, I thought, here I thought I knew where the end of the thing was, and I guess I don't. Yeah, well, you know. Um, I guess it never ends. Yeah. Well, this episode also uh, won a Leo Award for the best overall sound in a dramatic mm. series. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was also nominated for Primetime Emmy for Emmy, Emmy. Sure. <laughs> for outstanding special visual effects for a series. Okay. It's been a long day. It's, it's been, a long, been day. a long day. Normally we record on Saturday and it's Friday and that just it's Friday throws everything I off. Have, I'm powered by coffee right now, so I'm not yeah. Right. Well, you know, at least I got a nap earlier today. And See, there you go. Yeah. Uh, so a couple of things. This episode um, is one of the many uh, season finales that Martin Wood directs, uh, and yet this is the one because of the replicators that that always made him the most nervous. Uh, you know, he's concerned about how do you make these bugs um, relatable, and how do you uh, you know it's all CG, so you got to make sure mm-hmm. that they look real uh, as best you can, and all of that stuff. Um, that said, he was never particularly afraid of the replicators uh, because they don't have faces, they don't have personalities. Oh yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And they make a lot of noise as they come towards you, um, mm-hmm. so you can hear them coming. Uh, he right. says he's more scared of spiders. Oh wait a minute! I thought we were talking about him being scared to direct an episode with them because it's tough. You're literally talking about like. He's actually not afraid of them, like, in real life? Well, there, there's two parts. I mean, one, he was afraid of the episode. Kind of, it was kind of intimidating was tough. To, to do this yeah. episode. Sure. Uh, also, when he looks at the replicators as bad guys, he doesn't find them very uh, frightening because they don't have faces. Uh, they don't have a personality. Huh. Uh, you can hear them coming, coming, all those things. Gotcha. Um, um, so I guess this is where I confess that... Um, I don't usually find television bad guys all that frightening in real life. They could be frightening or, you know, well, you daunting know. or horrific looking or, you know, the... anyway. Okay. Well, okay, okay. Good to know. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I think at this point in time when he's talking about that, uh, uh, okay. So here's the, direct quote. He says, the replicators aren't particularly effective bad guys for me because they don't have faces, they don't have personalities, and you can hear them them a mile away. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. Um, I gotcha. You know, that said, um, I kind of like the idea that that these are bugs that that don't have a personality. They're they're very much the the Stargate equivalent of the Borg, only the Borg eventually developed a personality with the Queen uh, at this point in time, the replicators are just the Borg. They're this indomitable thing that just moves forward and moves forward, and it replicates and it replicates, and uh, it doesn't really Locusts. care to hoots who or what you are. It's just right. going to use your raw materials to replicate its own thing. Mm-hmm. And I actually find that um, 
you know, I mean, I'm not scared of it because, you know, but if I actually ran into replicators and they were yeah. actually doing that, yeah, I'd be unsettled at the very least. Mm-hmm. 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 So, um, yeah. Uh, when I look at the title for this episode in other languages, most of them are just some variation of Nemesis. Uh, however, in Spanish, it's Justo Castigo, which is Fair Punishment. Which I'm trying to, like, who's getting punished? Thor? I us. I didn't. Yeah, me? <laughs> I, yeah. I got nothing. Yeah. Okay. Well. All right. No, that one. That one's weird. All right. So I do have one uh, goof to toss out here, Brent. Yes. Um. When Thor is talking to SG One about the Beliskner, uh, he states that the heat from the friction would cause the ship to burn up in the atmosphere. While it is true there is aerodynamic friction, and that does produce some heat, the vast majority of the heat generated during a re-entry from orbit is due to the compression of air into plasma, not simply friction. Yes. Uh, I mean, in the end, the ship still goes kablooey either way, and it doesn't really matter. Well, you know, Thor Thor knows many, many things, but... um Actually, I don't either. Um, I'm trying to think of what what branch of science deals with, like, is it materials, materials, like material physics or something? Whatever. You know, the transition, the transition of a gas into a plasma. He, he's not, he's not up to, he's not up to snuff on his. Well, you know, he's, he's just a, you know, a Norse god. I mean. It, yeah, I was going to say, I mean, he's give pretty. Give him a break. He's got, he's got his talents. Yeah. It's just, that's not one of them. Yeah. All right. Shall we dig into the synopsis of this episode? Yes, let's do it. All right, here we go. The synopsis for Nemesis. Nemesis. What happens when you get appendicitis? You end up in the infirmary recovering for a week. So it is with Dr. Daniel Jackson. As he lays there, O'Neill stops by to chat. He got his hair cut. He's planning to go fishing. He invites Daniel to come with him. Daniel says yes. Says yes. It's not going to be a week while he's lying in the infirmary. Then he says no. Two or three, three, three days of rest is good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, O'Neill departs the infirmary to say goodbye to Samantha before he heads off to fish in Minnesota. Sam's working on a Nakoda generator. Don't judge. She thinks it's fun. He invites her to go fishing with him. There's a moment when it looks as if maybe she'll say yes. And then she says no. As he leaves the lab, she follows behind because maybe she will say... But before they stand awkwardly in the hall for too long, all of a sudden O'Neill disappears in a flash of light. O'Neill finds himself on an Asgard ship orbiting Earth. The ship is eerily quiet. No Thor. No anybody. Hello... Hello. 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 In the silence comes the strange sound of bugs. Giant metallic bugs marching down the hall. O'Neill continues his search for Thor, and he is aided when he hears the voice of his Asgard friend directing him through the intercom. (laughs) Sorry, carry carry on. Entering a secluded room, he sees his buddy lying in an Asgard bed, sick and dying. 
It is a long story, but I'll be brief. The bugs are replicators. They eat the ship and make more of themselves. They can't be stopped. They're attracted to energy signals. They want to infest Earth. The only chance of that not happening is to, to destroy the ship. Thor is too sick to do it. O'Neill will have to. Just check out the stones. They'll have all the information you need. <laughs> you know, you know. <laughs> Go watch, go watch 30 hours of informative videos. <laughs> My eyes would glaze over too. Oh, gosh. Anyway, back on Earth, Stargate Command is operating under the assumption that the Asgard took O'Neill and have been spending their time trying to locate the ship in orbit to no avail. As Carter, Teal'c, and Hammond discuss what to do next, O'Neill joins them via a real-time holographic projection from the ship. O'Neill needs a SPAS-12, a BF-8, 10 pounds of PBX, and a USAS at the base of the Stargate in, oh, five minutes? Now that's a lot of ordnance. But he needs it to destroy the ship. And despite Teal'c and Carter quickly volunteering to join him, O'Neill refuses. Anyone who gets up on that ship is not getting off. They say their goodbyes. Hammond wishes the colonel good luck. Back on the ship, O'Neill prepares to beam the ordnance on board. His eyes kind of glaze over several times as he scans through all of Thor's technical recordings designed to help him. But he is able to figure things out and beams up the ordnance. But the ordnance is not alone. Carter and Teal'c beam up too. O'Neill is understandably upset, but Hammond overruled his orders. They have a plan to get off the ship. A shuttle is preparing to pick them up in a relative short period of time. However, before they can dis discuss things further, the replicators attack. They grab what they can and they evacuate. Teal'c's zap gun has no effect on the replicators. The shotguns, on the other hand, can at least slow the replicators down. SG-1 is able to get back to their base of operations without too much trouble, though the threat of the replicators is heightened after seeing them in action. After more discussion with Thor, SG-1 determines that an uncontrolled entry will cause the ship to break apart and burn up in the atmosphere. To do this, they must retake the bridge. But when Teal'c and O'Neill arrive and look inside the bridge, they see it swarming with replicators. Uh, there's no chance of reaching the Navi computer and inputting a new course that way. They simply need a new plan. Carter and Thor rethink the plan. They know the replicators will eventually try to land the ship themselves, so they suggest putting an elementary Naquita-enhanced bomb on the deceleration drive. Therefore, when the ship enters the atmosphere, uh, and without the ability to decelerate, the ship will simply burn up in the atmosphere. Easy peasy! SG-1 simply needs to place the explosion on the outside of the hull of the ship near the deceleration drive so that the internal explosion suppressors won't muck up the plan. <laughs> so simple. <laughs> Teal'c volunteers to place the bomb because, you know, his symbiote will protect him from the radiation of space. So, as Teal'c leaves the airlock, something drips onto his oxygen tank. Unfortunately, no one notices. As Jack looks on, waiting... Teal'c slowly makes his way to the deceleration drive to set the bomb, and then sets the bomb, and then makes his way back, slowly. 
By the time he gets back to the airlock, the replicators have taken it over. They've locked Teal'c outside as Jack is helplessly looking on. And since when it rains, it pours, this is, of course, the moment when Teal'c's oxygen tank cracks open and his CO2 begins to leak out in this spurt of, of high-pressurized gas out into the blackness of space. But don't worry, because Carter has an idea. If Teal'c can push off from the hull, the transporter can lock onto him and beam him back into the ship. Tilk pushes off weakly. He slowly drifts away from the ship. While Tr Carter is trying desperately to lock on, Thor's vitals finally begin to crash, and she has no choice but to activate the stasis pod to preserve his life. Tilk finally gets to a place where she can beam him back on board. She does so, and O'Neill helps him out of the suit, and he's none the worse for wear. Thankful for Junior. With the bomb in place, the only thing left to do is figure out a way off the ship. And, of course, Carter has yet another idea. Back on Earth, General Hammond and Major Davis discuss the situation. The danger prompts them to move the DEFCON rating down to three. Russia and other countries around the world respond accordingly. It's possible this whole Stargate experiment may blow up in their faces. Dr. Jackson is there as well, feeling quite helpless and wishing he was with his team. Suddenly, the Stargate is beamed off the planet. Everyone stands there stunned. Davis hangs up the phone, he, the, the phone call he's on. Jackson realizes that his team is going to use the Stargate to escape the Asgard ship. And Hammond gets on the phone and orders the Beta Gate to be unsealed and brought to the SGC as soon as possible. Back on the ship, Tilk begins manually dialing the gate while O'Neill provides cover. The replicators are coming. Carter prepares Thor's stasis pod for transport and beams to the gate, pushes the stasis pod through the open wormhole, and helps the others defend against the onslaught of the replicators. They're coming! They are coming! As the ship drops through the atmosphere, O'Neill detonates the bomb. The ship tumbles out of control and breaks into a giant fireball crashing into the Pacific Ocean. The Earth is saved! Yay! Yay! But while the ship sinks, one replicator crawls up out of the water onto a floating piece of the ship. Bum, bum, bum. To be continued. Zach, I got to tell you, um, you and I had kind of, sort of, sort of said that we were going to do this episode and then we were going to do our little season three debrief and uh, then launch into season four. Yes. But this one ended and I'm like, I'm going to have to make me wait. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, thanks for that. I did that. Mm. Uh, to be fair, David assisted in that process. So I'll give him at least some of the blame. <laughs> thanks, David, thanks, for letting me throw you under the bus mm. just a little wee bit. Just a bit. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So, Brent. Mm hmm. Nemesis. Yeah. The finale of season three of Stargate SG1. Mm -hmm. What did you think? I like this one. It was fun. This one was fun. Like the replicators, like rebuilding like Lego. That was great. Yeah. Like, I mean, like the, these, like this, this one, like the scenes were good. The story was engaging. It was a little, <sighs> that their plan was to burn the whole thing up in the atmosphere. But like somehow these things like couldn't take damage 
like at all. Like your best option was to literally obliterate them long enough to run away. Like that one, you know, it felt a little when the replicator crawled out of the water. I'm like, yeah, I kind of I think I might have saw that coming. But I'm, <laughs> I guess I'm supposed to Im- infer that uh, that what that really was showing me was that at least one survived. And by definition, they will begin to replicate. Um, ah, yes. So, uh, so yeah. So we got we got ourselves a problem. We got ourselves a problem, which I gotta wait now to before I can see season four, episode one, which you know, be a couple of weeks not, too. Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> <laughs> at least it's not a couple of months or a few months. Um, yeah, no, this was a good one. This was fun. I I'm um, really impressed now with the um, with the ad lib scene between um, between O'Neill and uh, Jackson and. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm. I respect that I might not be fully a super fan when I don't get all Twitter pated whenever Carter like bats her eyelashes at uh, O'Neill. Like I know I'm supposed to. I know I'm supposed to be like, oh, they might, they could. Uh, oh. I I I understand that I'm supposed to have these types of emotional reactions to this thing, and I'm just like, yeah, yeah, fine, sure, you know, yeah. Yeah. Go do what you want to do or not. Whatever. Um, <laughs> probably a little too brutal on that one. Um, but, you know, like, it, it, it's it's fine. It's fine. It's all good. Um, I'm actually more interested in watching her just, like, put all the things together and, like, save the day with her, like, between between her knowledge and her ability to fire a gun. That's the thing that I like. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, um and uh, you know, Teal's selflessness is always just delightful, including in these scenes. Uh, they did a good job with the effects. Uh, you know that anti gravity scene. You know, I could tell where he was slowly moving on his own two feet to replicate what it looks like without gravity. And then there was that one shot where he, like the bomb was in tow. Like I don't know, they yeah. might have had it on a wire or something. But you know, it's good. Um, yeah. So you, you know, know that little last week when they had a bad special effects week. Um, you know, they were saving their pennies for this week. They were saving it up. That's right. Because <laughs> those replicators would be a lot of special effects dollars. There was a lot of them too. Yeah. So you know, when when the swarm was coming, you know, that, that was that was kind of nerve wracking. And uh, you know, Thor being uh, you know, Thor being uh, knocked out in some way. Like right now, he's you know, he's in stasis. We can only assume our heroes got out, but. I, 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 Technically, I mean, yeah, I, I, I know that um, uh, that season four is going to have most, if not all, of our heroes back. Uh, you know, technically, this could be a bit of of a bit of a nervous moment because, you know, it's a season ender. It, mm-hmm. You know, the mm-hmm. actors might not necessarily be back for the next season. I don't know. I mean, well, we you don't certainly know left the door open for That's right. one, at least one of those three to yeah. not come back. Yeah, uh, totally. If something were to happen with the yeah. and such. So, yeah. 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 So we just don't know. And then also is like the gate. So, you know, don't answer because there's no way you can answer without being a spoiler. But um, the gate that they teleported onto the ship, I wonder if it survived reentry or not. I wonder if there's a gate now at the bottom of the Pacific Ocean hmm. and what that might, what that might, what that might do. I don't know. We might have to be... Uh, we might end up with we might end up with a bunch of alien invasions that go nowhere <laughs> as they get instantly crushed by the weight of an ocean on top of them. <laughs> now, I, I will say this: that uh, uh, in order to 
operate a Stargate, you need some form oh, that's of true. dial home device. Uh, and no, yeah, yeah, yeah. But so the Stargate but. by itself, assuming it it. it survived and is on the bottom of the ocean isn't going to do anything probably by oh, because it's not powered up because it's not powered gotcha gotcha um, uh but yeah um do, 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 do. what else did i think about this one i don't know i was just having a good time with it yeah it was fun um you know the dialogue was fun uh action was fun story was plausible and fun uh the threat I was a little bit bummed out that the threat were the bugs, honestly. Um, it makes sense. It stands up to to reason. But I was kind of hoping that it would be a bit more, you know, sentient and maniacal. Okay. Um, you know, you well, know, I, I kind of I wanted this big bad to kind of stay out there for a few more seasons. And then uh, when it came time for us to start throwing punches, we could we could we could throw punches hard ones, too. Okay. Well, I, I, I will uh, tease it just a little bit here by saying uh, this is not the last time we'll see the replicators. Well, I, we'll see the replicators again and again and again several times. They, mm, they, they, they come back. I mean, yeah, but – and you can't answer this without doing any, without doing damage. So, you know, I'll ask the question, but then I'll move along. But, okay. like – that makes me worried that they're going to get they're going to start turning into a trope. You know. I mean, there's only there's only so much threat that a bug can do. I mean, it, it can be a lot, but I'm just saying, like what do they do? They they eat everything. And they they, they they're hard to stop. Anybody who deals with swarm mechanics and tabletop RPGs knows swarms are hard to deal with. That's true. Well, yeah. unless you have a bludgeoning weapon, piercing weapons don't do a whole lot of good to to swarms. Yeah, but you need more. You need more like an area effect, you know. Oh yeah, you know. Fire, and, uh, fire tends to work well with swarms. Fire, you know, the shotgun theoretically, right? Because it's, it's usually a cone, yeah. you know, spreading out to what three squares, something like that. But anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was gonna say, <laughs> Zach, we're, uh, we're 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 cashing in our nerd cred. Yeah, um, yeah. So you know, I mean, I, I was just having a good time with it. Uh, um, it advanced the story. You know, it's got my criteria, right? Was I paying attention to the story? Yeah. Did it advance the overall arching story? Yes. Uh, was it fun? Yeah. Uh, did I like the dialogue? Sure. Did I like the acting? Yeah. Did I like the sets and the lighting and the, you know, all that jazz? Yeah, it was good. Um, I, it was just, I just had a positive time. So what about you? you I like this episode. I enjoy mm-hmm. this episode quite a bit. Uh, from the very beginning, um, it just got this nice feel. I love that dialogue between O'Neill and and. Uh, uh, Jackson to begin the episode uh, mm-hmm. on the infirmary. Uh, I'm even uh, more enamored by it when I realized that it was mostly improv uh, mm-hmm. and spontaneous there. Um, you know, I, I, I agree with you. I am not as uh, Twitter-pated by the whole O'Neill-Carter <laughs> uh, relationship. Uh, yeah. I kind of like it. Um, I like how it develops. Um, I like how it uh, moves forward in the series. Uh, suffice it to say, there's there is more coming in that vein of things, um, yeah. which will allow the relationship to uh, continue to grow. Um, so you know, I I am not uh, just 
just uh, I don't have the right word, but you know, I'm I don't I don't really care that much about mm-hmm. it. Um, but I like it fine. So yeah, um, you know, and I like the repl- I think I mentioned this. I like the replicators as bad guys. Um, I, I like that uh, that faceless uh, villain that just keeps moving forward. Uh, I guess maybe because it's like the Borg for the Stargate universe, and sure. I really enjoyed the Borg. And uh, one of the things that I you know, when when the Borg all of a sudden got faces and and personalities, uh, yeah. I thought it lost some of its scary qualities. Oh, um, totally. You know, when 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 you could name and point to ah, that is what the Borg is. Uh, you know, then then it loses some of that uh, uh, that fear. So. Um, in, in if I were to translate that here and what Martin Wood says here about not liking these villains because they don't have faces, I'm like I personally think the fact that they don't have faces makes them um, uh, a more daunting yeah, villain. Yeah. Um, now, does that make it harder to tell good stories about? Darn tootin' it does. It's a yeah, lot oh, yeah. harder to talk about a giant swarm that that is indomitable and you have to fight up against it because, you know, how many times can you fight up against that? Look at that. The the swarm came after him and we beat him back. Woohoo! We saved the day. Oh, the well, swarm Well, but that's came exactly back. it. You know, I like, get that. Like, there's only one way, truly, there's only one way to actually defeat a swarm and that's attrition. And, you know, it, it, the, the, the hope, the best case scenario is that you develop a method of attrition that uh, allows you to remain untouched, but you're still just literally erasing the swarm in order to win. True. Like, that's, that's, how, that's how it works. And, um, but that also makes for either unbelievable or despairing storytelling it's either unbelievable because like or or it's not a threat because all you do is just like blink at the area with an insecticide and you're done mm-hmm. Ta-da! hooray we win or you can't do that and there is literally no reasoning with a the thing there's no there is no one avenue of success or or there's no there's not even like a multi-prong avenue uh right. you you don't have a weakness in a swarm um, but you do have a weakness when you can convert the swarm into a character or a, a set of characters, um, you know, which I think is why stories like the Borg and Star Trek had to pivot away from, no, they're literally an unstoppable swarm to, oh, wait a minute, this is how we're going to win. We will not be able to destroy all of them everywhere, but we can get to this one controlling person. And we can stop them at least here. And that's right. Yeah, I agree. Um, but there is something, you know, about that indomitable force. Yeah. Um, and but that gets me back to that. Like, I'm a little disappointed that there are a bunch of bugs because, um, because I've seen this story a number of times. I've told similar stories myself. Like, and and that's the pivot point. That's 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 where the that's where the idea is both terrifying and then it falls down. It's terrifying. Because you can't defeat a swarm unless you just completely, completely obliterate them. And then, therefore, you can't 
really have them be the effective bad guy without I mean, maybe Stargate solves this problem. But, you know, right now I'm kind of like, ah, I don't know, because I, I think I've seen this story. And how are we going to end it? Well, we're going to have uh, my prediction on this one is that we are going to have season after season where they are a player and it's always kind of the same thing. You know, we found a bigger way to obliterate them. Kaboom. Yay. We win. Oh, wait. One Lego escapes and it is enough for it to start over again. Oh, dang it. Here they are again. Let's find a bigger, better way to obliterate them. Kaboom. Yay. We win. Okay. You know, oh, but one Lego escapes. I I won't comment on that um, because I know what happens with this story. Of line. course. Um, so there you go. Uh, we will see them again. <laughs> I was. Uh, yeah. Between. But you know what, though? OK, let me get on my soapbox. Like I wasn't before. Here we go. <clears throat> okay. This is just a bigger soapbox. This is just a different soapbox. Um, so Apophis is back and he's dangerous because he has a bigger army, but there's still a bunch of idiots. And so is he, but oh, well, he's a threat again. And I don't particularly like how they put, how they stitch him back into the thing. Um, because, uh, oh shoot. What was his name? Scar, Scaro, Scara, 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 Scara wasn't fully developed, but the bit of development that we have done so far makes him much more terrifying than what Apophis ever was. We didn't see him in action, really, other than he was trying to get clever with using particles to melt the iris. But he seemed more daunting because he seemed oh, more you're clever. Sokar. 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 I'm sorry. Sokar. Okay. Yep. Right? Um, that system lord seemed like a big bad threat that we were going to have to you know that that for the for a while we need to keep at arm's length because we are completely unable to deal with that level of terror yet uh in our galaxy and you know thankfully he's eaten other system lords and not turning his attention to earth just yet uh stay over there because that's you're just gonna get stronger and stronger and you're actually a nemesis to be oh, nemesis. you're actually a bad guy to be uh to be contended with oh wait no turns out we're going to bring back apophis the nincompoop and give him a bigger army and now he's scary because of that's how that works Blech. and uh in a similar vein i kind of feel a little bit the same way about the big bad threat that had the Asgard on their heels in another galaxy over there. I wanted this big bad guy to be, um, you know, less a plague and more an enemy. Um, and because, well, that's my style of story. I like that kind of story. So what kind of enemy could have the, the, the incredibly powerful Asgard on their heels you know they're 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 standing toe to toe like you know the way that it was implied at the beginning was that the asgard they're, you know they're slugging they're slugging hard and and you know and 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 they you know we we see their technology so we can only assume that you know that that they're putting up a good fight and they're not like running away i mean there was nothing about it that was implying that it was a losing fight they were they were they were they were at it and here we have the defined finally and it's like oh it's you got the plague like you, you, you've got a cloud of locusts coming over and eating everything. Yeah, that sinks. That, that, that's a problem. <laughs> totally. But I wouldn't really call that an enemy. I would call that a very unfortunate event is what I would call that. <laughs> an extremely unfortunate event. Um, unless there's some like 
intelligence motivating it, which of course there could be, obviously we can, we can turn that corner at any point around here and it would be right there. But, um, you know, I'm, I, I enjoyed the story, but I'm also kind of feeling like this is yet another moment of just like, Oh, that's it. That, that, Oh, well, okay. I guess, you know, I, I put you into, uh, a place that I don't recall specifically being in. Um, sure. I don't remember, uh, when I saw this episode first. And so I don't remember uh, having to wait three months. And I know yeah. I, it wasn't, <laughs> you know, a long time uh, between this and watching the next episode. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, so the, I don't remember what it feels like to be for that. Um, and so I put you into a different place here that, that I, you know, I, I don't have any... Uh, way to empathize with you really sure Um, uh, because I know I know what's going to happen immediately and yes uh, suffice it to say the next episode will flesh out some of these things about what the replicators are and aren't fine Um, good to know I can't say any more than that Uh, and then of course uh, as the series progresses uh, the story of the replicator will replicators will continue um, yes, and I don't want to say anything more than that. Well, um, they'll start making tea, Earl Grey, hot. Well, I, I suppose it's possible. It's, I mean, by definition, uh, okay. they're replicators. Or uh, no, they're replicators. Right. We call them replicators. Replicators. You know, the replicators. when when I uh, when I first was introduced to the replicators, um. I thought that's kind of a dull name, uh, but then I thought about the Asgard, and the Asgard would dull. totally name <laughs> these things the Replicators. Why? Because that's exactly what they do. Yes. You know. Yes. Uh, you know, humans, we'd be like, you know, giant metal bug things. Right. Oh, we know? call them like the Scourge, or we call scourge them Scourge, or so, you know, yeah, you like know. Um, the oppression. Yeah. The troubles? No, not that. <laughs> no, but, but we we would come up with something like that. Um, yes. But the the Asgard, no, they're just so straight laced sufficiently, and then they'll just be like, uh, "Well, they replicate, so we'll call them the replicators." <laughs> and that's so, just what they do. And that's what they do. And that's what they are. Uh, and so after that, I'm like, "Hey, you know what? I can I can buy that. I can get get behind that." So that's uh, all right. What were some of your favorite moments in this episode? What were some of those moments that that you like? Oh. Well, there was there was definitely a moment when oh, I can't remember what room was it. O'Neill was walking into one of the rooms, and they were doing a kind of a crane shot uh, in the studio, and the set was at least two stories tall, and you know the 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 camera was still focused on O'Neill, so you know it was looking down. Uh, you know, so it wasn't really a cavernous shot, but it was like, you know, that, that camera had a lot of space to move in and the set was built. And, and I, I, in that moment, I was kind of sitting here realizing that I wasn't really letting my imagination run with, uh, imagining the insides and the workings of, uh, of this Asgard ship, which had a name, which I kept missing. Um, the ballista, like the, the Belinda, right. Uh, and, um, 
Uh, and and when uh, when there was that other moment where uh, oh, but there was that moment where Carter was kind of getting the rundown about the ship and how it works, and <laughs> Thor was getting a getting a little not like too specific, but it's like we have three engines, one to do that, and it does this and da da da, and it goes out to a nozzle da da da. He was getting real specific, and I was sitting there like, oh, Carter's absorbing this, isn't she? Um, oh, she is. This is a. This is a this is this is an information exchange happening here that's gonna that's that she's gonna she's she's this is there's there's gonna be things that happen because of this and that makes me excited. Um, but then also I do, I I also really like those moments where there's ship schematics on screen <laughs> like <laughs> every time in next gen where they would do that I'd be like ooh show me more <laughs> and so the schematics of the of the of the Belinda I was also uh, you know. Uh, enjoying taking a look at but these are all real kind of you know brent specific you know brent nerds out about spaceships which is a thing of mine um uh but doesn't have a whole lot to do with a story really. well that's okay you know well i guess um, uh, i did like uh getting back to sort of acting story stuff i richard dean anderson is funny he knows how to he knows how to be a straight man in a funny situation. Like the the moment where he turns on the projector, or the, the 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 communicator. Mm-hmm. You know, is this thing on? What's going on? Oh, hey, is oh, there. On? Okay, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know. I, I and his mannerisms and like, it's fun. You it's know, fun. I'm enjoying it. In that moment lot. when when he's like, you know, whoever comes up here ain't gonna get off, and and. Uh, Carter's like, but Colonel, that means, and he's like, I know, and mm-hmm. you know, um, I really liked that moment. That was a moment that tugged on my heartstrings, uh, not because it was a Carter O'Neill moment, but because it was the whole group right there, and they knew exactly what was being said there, and everybody yeah. was fully aware of it. Yeah. And he's like, wish me luck, and then the the Colonel or the 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 General Hammond, he goes, good luck, Colonel. Yeah. Um, and yeah. that was just a moment that I'm like, oh, good acting, good acting all around. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it was just a great bit of story um, yeah. that that just kind of Agreed. tugged on me there a little bit. What about you, So, What, uh, uh, well, other that than one, that? That one. Uh-huh. Um, I also liked the episode when, or the episode, the, the part of the episode when uh, uh, Carter is directing Teal'c and O'Neill to get to the bridge and uh, mm-hmm. the doors open, and they look inside, oh, and there's yeah. these bugs like there, and and they're all over the place, and they're eating parts of it, and they like say, like, uh, forget, forget that. that, yeah. He closes the door <laughs> and he just walks away. Yep, that's not gonna be that's not gonna be our solution path. Okay, we're not gonna do that. <laughs> Other uh, new ideas, new ideas. What's plan B? Yep, that was a good one. I yeah. liked it. I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot about that. The, my beef. So you know. Uh, people who pay careful attention about how I do uh, ratings um, you know my my beef has a little bit more to do with story than anything else um, which means something but it's not that it's not that bad it's just you know it's just not my favorite right it's not my favorite villain and you know it's, sure. it's okay it'll be all right and also I mean I'm talking about this episode and I will be rating it uh, as I understood it at the completion of watching the episode uh if if the very next episode starts to answer all these questions that i have like if 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 the next time that we record after watching an episode uh if you can say if zach if you say to me you see brent come on dude like have a little faith in these storytellers you know i'll i'll own it 
Uh, but right now it's a little like, I don't know. I mean, all right. Bugs. Lots of bugs. You got bugs everywhere. Get some raid. Yep. Raid. So uh, I got to I gotta be the spoil sport. Um, uh, I was telling Zach earlier before we started to record that I was using my device for work today and my battery was getting pretty low and I wasn't paying attention. Um, I've got 5% left, so uh, we've... Uh, you know, the fact that you started this podcast at 9% and we've gone almost an hour uh, means that we can at least safely get through the episode. But that doesn't mean we should probably push things along. So let me rephrase that. The number at the top says 5, but I don't actually know what that means. It could be like, sure, I've got, I'm, I'm fine. I've got 5%. I'm fine. It's fine. Oh, no, I've got one. <laughs> like... I, I don't I don't know. Do you really only have one now? No, or is no, that no. You? That was just me. Okay, okay. All right. So, so Brent. Yes. Nemesis. Yes. How many chevrons do you give it? I had a good time. Lots of cool things to look at. Neato tech for me to kind of get distracted on. Enjoyable banter. P- pretty good story. Pretty good story. The only beef I have is that it has a bad guy I don't like very much because that's just me i am gonna give this episode uh, i'm gonna give it a six but i was waffling between a five and a six five feels a little harsh but six good time story advanced enjoyed it not amazing didn't blow my mind certainly didn't like open my eyes to a whole new reality um yeah pretty good no, I mean, I mean, a six is actually a very good score, but yeah, I mean, I'm feeling yeah, that's, that's a, yeah. that, that, I think that's pretty much it. What about you? What do you okay. give it? Um, you know, I actually was thinking about this myself. What do I give this? And I agree with you. This is a six. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I think I would just simply say it's a six. I don't think I need to waffle towards the five like you were. <laughs> uh, I don't want to. Uh, I don't have a problem with the replicators that you you're you know you kind of have that little hesitancy with the replicators. Uh, I don't have a problem with them, even in just this episode here. Sure. Um, and uh, so it's a six for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think it's just so mind blowing that it goes uh, up to a seven, mm-hmm. but definitely it hits that six part. Uh, it's a really top notch episode. It's a great way to end a season. Uh, there's some there's some tension there. Uh, where are our heroes? Did they survive? Oh my, those bugs that they had to blow up the ship, the Asgard can't stop, or now yep. on Earth. Yep. What do we do? Uh, all of those things are there. I mean, I'm definitely so. excited to watch the next episode, that's for sure. Yeah, and me too. Uh, Julie was saying, I want to watch the next episode. I'm like, well, we can't watch it until at least I've finished recording this one. <laughs> I can't get them confused <laughs> in my brain. Yes, no, got to keep it straight. Got to keep it straight. Yes. All right, Brent, yes. we do have a couple of predictions. Yay! I love these. Uh, let's see here. Uh, and remember, dear listener, you can give us predictions as well by emailing us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com. That's W-A-L-K-I-N-G-T-H-R-O-U-G-H-T-E-H-T-H-E-T-H-E-S-T-A-R-G-A-T-E-T-E at gmail.com. So, Zach, what were those ratings? Yes, okay, so we have <laughs> ratings from Arnott. Yes. Um, uh, so, uh, well, he actually mentioned some stuff about special effects, and we'll get to that in a little bit, but here okay. are his uh, ratings. He, the predictions for this episode are easy. 
If you end up reviewing it in the next episode as a two-part episode, or if you review just Nemesis, the obvious rating is eight chevrons universal. Wow! Arnok loves this one. Arnok does. Oh, uh, that's... Yeah. Th- all right. That's fantastic. So, yeah. Unfortunately, uh, I wasn't there. <laughs> I, I wouldn't go quite that far. Okay, here is David. David yes. says, It has drama, humor, action, explosions, a good cliffhanging uh, hanger episode, uh, Thor, and it's the beginning of something huge. Or, or small. Well, those guys probably already said something like this to Brent, so go ahead and read this if you want. Okay, let me look. Uh, you keep talking. Here. Uh, oh, me? You, oh, gosh. Okay, I'm on the spot. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, today I had, a, I had a spicy chicken sandwich for lunch. It was really good. Um, uh uh, I, I liked it. I liked okay. it. Okay. Okay. Brent. Yeah. Right, I'm ready. Here here we go. Here are uh, David's predictions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think this is the closest David has ever gotten. He says Brent will give this episode six chevrons. Boom. Right on the money. Because who, who is afraid of robot spiders, right? Yes. Plus, plus one because of Thor. <laughs> Wait. Say again? He says six chevrons. Five because who's afraid of robot oh, spiders? Gotcha. Right. Plus, plus one, one because, because of Thor. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, that's... Yes. <laughs> uh, Zach is going to give it six and a half chevrons for the same reasons and plus five because he knows the future. That's true that, you know, you do have a bit of a... It's like a... I don't really do a whole lot in the sport bets, but apparently the home team always has a half point advantage, however that works, um, Okay. In the, in, the, in the line. So, you know, yeah. So you getting a half chevron advantage because you know the future. Yeah, I think that... Yeah, yeah, you that, know, that lines so, up. you know, uh, I, I guess I'm not always consistent. Sometimes I do look at the future and, and I use that to help me rate episodes. And sometimes I just try to take the episode hey. as it is. So, no you know, I admit that that I'm not consistent on oh, that. No, and, no, no. Uh, See, here's and, the deal. Such. This is our show. If somebody else wants to do a more consistent rating, they can make their own show. That's fine. Well, no, I, 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 I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying anything like that. I'm just saying that I'm not consistent, and and that does then throw people like David off. Um, hey, we because like because I like think he's you. probably right. If if I were to take this episode and then prognosticate on everything I know about the replicators <laughs> and ergos and how this is the beginning of uh-huh. that, yeah, yeah. okay, give I, it a I, little, I could definitely give it a six point five. Just give I'm going to stick boost. with my six though, sure, uh, because that's what it was. Yeah. Uh, so, well done, David. Yes, uh, Arnacht. We I'm excited. You know episode, what, though? But we're I, not there yet. But I got to tell you, Arnok's uh, excitement excites me. Yeah. Like like, like that he's sitting here like, dudes, this is one of the best ones. I'm like, oh, okay. All right. Yes. Looking forward to so, the next one. So uh, here is what he says about some special effects. Oh, yeah. Amazing shows can still be produced with sub par special effects mm-hmm. i hardly even need to make an argument since this one example does it for me deep space nine's episode in the pale moonlight along with the whole rest of the show including effects heavier episodes like sacrifice of angels was produced with even earlier special effects than stargate sg1 mm-hmm. and i defy you to rate it anything lower than whatever would be the maximum rating within the system used for that show for deep space nine will be nine obviously um well oh yeah probably yeah but but his point is oh that, yeah uh, you know deep space nine is older than this and those episodes there um, deserve super high ratings, even if their special effects might not be as good as they could be today. Uh, and I see a corollary uh, argument within video games. I can't tell you how many times 
it's not terribly often and especially anymore because i just don't play as many video games as i used to but um the beautiful games without good gameplay i mean fine yeah they, they're visually stunning and then you get bored of them fast because they're just not that good of games and then the the games with 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 lighter or less awesome graphics made at the same time or contemporary to some of these amazing titles but the gameplay is good oh it's so much fun like the, the visual part it matters but it matters a lot less in in the context of story like i am yeah. and a lot of us are willing to totally look past kind of a dumb effect if the story is compelling like we're willing to imagine we're, we we can fill in the gap we can imagine that this was actually more amazing or more technological than what they were able to do on screen especially if the story is compelling like there we go so right right there with you right there with you yep all right so normally brent at this point in time i would give you the name of the next week's episode yeah. and then you would tell me what that episode is about yes. however Sorry. uh we are putting a pin in that and mm -hmm. then we're going to toss that to our next episode our next episode dear listeners we're going to look back at season three and kind of talk about season three kind of have some fun some jokes maybe play some games yeah we are going to get a couple of guests to come yes. on and join us with that so, so stay tuned next week for that um uh, Brent, uh, uh, one of those guests has uh, uh, not Julie uh, has has uh, got some <laughs> some games for you uh, oh, uh, specifically. Oh so so we're gonna have fun with that. Uh, so join us <laughs> next time. Uh, that episode will conclude with what the first episode of season four is and tease that, and gotcha. then we'll just keep going just straight keep on, rolling from right through season there. four. Looking forward to that too. Yep. So uh, at this point in time, then I say, tell us what you think, yes, please. dear listeners. Tell us what you think about Nemesis. Uh, do you agree with Arnacht that this should be eight chevrons all around? Do you agree with us? This is a six episode. Do you think that the replicators are absolutely awful and should be uh, stripped from the canon of Stargate <laughs> universe and lore? Uh, whatever it is, tell us what you think. You can email us. You can find us on Twitter. Uh, find us on Facebook. Talk to us. Share your thoughts. Join the conversation. Post your funny pictures of Stargate memes and such. Whatever it is, uh, have fun. Uh, and uh, don't forget to uh, share with us ideas that you have for uh, potential sponsors. Uh, yeah. Oh, I keep forgetting for our to show. I keep forgetting to make a collecting bin. You know, like ah. it, it oh, only has I to be. I actually a have Google a couple form. of emails, Brent, for yeah. that. And yeah. I don't know if you've seen anything anywhere else, but so we have a couple. Couple uh, ideas. Please go ahead and Good. send those in, and yeah. uh, you know we'll come up with some of our own. And and uh, I said that those who are uh, in the Patreon will get a chance to uh, vote for some of those as mm -hmm. things go on. Uh, we are still in the uh, you know slow processes of that we're still getting there oh it's uh but fine. but it is coming but hey so yeah all right uh i think that's it brent it's in for me i'm good yep so then i say this is zach and this is brent and this has been walking through the stargate <laughs> see you next time bye carter dial it up get these people home <laughs>